Welcome to the Digiday Podcast. I'm Brian Marcy. We're continuing our remote editions. Um, and today, I'm going to be joined by Ian Bell. Ian is the CEO of Digital Trends. So for those who do not know Digital Trends, I think Digital Trends is... is I don't think you guys get as much attention as you deserve, honestly, because um, I know I've admired... You know what you guys have done. I always admire companies that do it the hard way. And over over many years, uh, we're going into year fourteen, um, and, yeah. and built some crazy thing called like a profitable media company. Um, <laughs> yeah, you don't hear about that too often, do you? Yeah. So you know, I need some I need some bright spots. So okay, Ian, thanks. Give us the give us a rundown very quick on you know the founding of digital trends there's a lot of tech sites out there but what was the opening um that you guys saw when you started the site yeah so uh kind of and this is a totally abnormal kind of story you know it started out with two guys on top of a furniture store um you know with cheap rent covering products and and writing about technology you know i think for dan and i this is 2006 this is 2006 yeah Okay, so this was um, you, this was pre-crisis, just heading right in. Pre-crisis, that's right. Uh, you know, Dan was working up at Microsoft or Real Networks at the time. Uh, I was at Intel. Um, quit my job, started doing this this gig full time. Uh, kind of figured out how to run a media business. Uh, it's kind of a funny story. You know, we had a we had an advertiser come to us and say, "Hey, we want to advertise this." Uh, it was like a computer case or something like that at the time wasn't a whole lot. It was like five grand a month. And, uh, uh, and I said, Hey, this is great. I didn't know you can make money off of a, uh, off a blog. And, uh, so they started advertising with us and, you know, three months in they stopped advertising and I called up and I said, you know, what's going on? What's the problem? And he goes, well, we don't advertise year round Ian. And that was kind of a, Oh crap moment. Right. So, um, I remember getting on a plane and flying out to New York and I'd set up these big meetings, you know, just through a ton of persistence and we'd go in, we'd meet with, you know, Mindshare and Dentsu. And I'd walk in there and I'd pitch our 100,000 readers a month. <laughs> and they would they would laugh me out of the room. So, you know, we just kind of learned the hard way. Uh, but, th- but this was always started as a, as a business, right? I mean, because of that era, there's a lot of people who were starting blogs that sort of grew and, and they, they started to get followings. And then all of a sudden... You know, they're like, "Hey, we could we could make a business out of this." You know, it's this sort of the Mashable story, if you will. Um, right. There's a lot of those type sites out there, but you were starting this as a business. Uh, no, we had no. so we had it for a couple of years before 2006. It's just okay. kind of a you know a little hobby site. Uh, didn't really know what we were doing. Uh, we took out a uh, 2006. You know, we took out an SBA loan at uh, Washington Mutual Bank. Remember them before they got bought out? Yeah. I think that loan was like $50,000. So we took out this little loan. Um, you know, I came over full time uh, the first year. Dan came over the following year and, uh, you know, took pay cuts to make it happen. But you're right in the sense that, you know, we knew that this could be a business. Uh, you know, we, we saw this great opportunity uh, in kind of the world of technology. You know, habits are changing. Um, you know, Tech is kind of, you know, it's becoming integrated into everything that we, you know, do at that point in time and more so now than ever, right? So, But, but what were you seeing that was being, wasn't being served? I mean, there is CNET and all these sort of, there's always like a million reasons not to, to start a business. And um, so what did you see that made you and Dan, what did, what did you both see that said, hey, you know, there's an opening here because th- I, there were still a lot of product right. review sites out there, right? 
Yeah, but if you remember back in the day, a lot of those product review sites, it was all about specifications, benchmarks, this PC faster than that PC. There wasn't a lot of focus on the aesthetics or the experiences that you get from the products, right? Yeah. I think that's kind of that, that opening that we saw was, look, anybody can cover tech for tech's sake. You know, can we really talk about how technology is making your life better, uh, easier? Uh, how's it improving things, you know, at work with your family? So that was kind of that big opening, um, you know, and, and we focused a lot on that, right? The usability of the product, the design. Um, so that's, that was kind of that big opening. Uh, you know, we were more consumer electronics focused than we were PC focused. Mm-hmm. So back in the day, you know, CNET was kind of that 800 pound gorilla. They still kind of are. But you had PC Magazine, you had PC World, um, Tom's Hardware. You had what was that big? Uh, what was that big catalog? Remember what was that Computer World? I don't know. You remember that thing? You never <laughs> Computer you World was a giant thing? event. I don't remember. Yeah. Well, so so you had you know kind of tech for tech's sake back then, and that's where we saw that opening. How do we go a little bit broader uh, with our focus and kind of talk about the other stuff everybody else isn't? And everybody kind of caught on to that and it started to kind of blow up. So, you know. Okay. So as you went, like you developed, developed an audience and, and, um, explain, I mean, at the time, I think, you know, then you hit the financial crisis. How did the financial crisis, um, change, you know, the business or did it not? I mean, it provides opportunities. I think it sort of plays into a little bit now. I might, I think, I think probably the, the, um, it's a little different, this crisis, but like explain hitting the financial crisis and, and what that did to the business. Yeah, you know, that's a good question. I don't know that it hit us particularly hard. We weren't super large at the time. We were still in kind of that hustle phase uh, in the sense that, you know, the value proposition really had to make sense for us to get those ad dollars. Um, you know, we weren't getting a lot of branding campaigns at the time back then. We were relatively unknown. Uh, every dollar had to count for that advertiser. So as long as we could, you know, provide good customer service, hit those KPIs, uh, you know, we survived. And that's what really happened. We made it through there, right? Um, where a lot in our in our space really struggled there. And, you know, to be to be fair, you know, we're not VC backed. Uh, in fact, I don't even think we knew what, a, you know, what a VC money was back in the day, to be honest. Uh, so well, what do you mean? You just, I mean, I, you, I, I, you sort of play that off, but I mean, you knew there was a lot of companies um, that started to get a venture capital interest around coming out of the, the financial crisis and they took um, big rounds. And I'm sure I'm sure you talked to folks, you know, we, so we didn't really know until about 2010. So, you know, we took a, a little bit of money from an angel investor in 2010. Uh, at the time, there was a company called Demand Media. Remember them? Of course Back in the day. I do. Yeah. yeah. And so they came to us. It was what? Rich Rosenblatt, I think was his name. Yeah. Did I get that name right? And they came to us and said, look, you know, we're really interested in acquiring you guys. And uh, we decided not to go that path. But he introduced us to uh, a person in the Valley, uh, Nils Johnson, who's on our advisory board now, and said, look, if you guys are going to continue down this kind of bootstrap you know, path, you should probably figure out how to run this business, like understand the value of a customer, you know, CPM rates, all that type of stuff. So we went down to the Valley and uh, met this guy, Nils, and he took us on this tour. We went to Sequoia. We met with Brian Schreier over there, um, Andrew Brachia over at Excel, Ron Conway. I mean, just kind of did this little tour of some of the VC firms and angel investors. 
<laughs> we got we got chewed up and spit out to be honest because we really didn't know what we were doing. Uh, so when just, they, when they heard about like your business, like were they? I mean, there was a lot more interest in media then, right? I mean, Mashable's closing. Oh yeah, and when so were they like? This is nice, nice lifestyle business you have here. Uh, yeah. Uh, so most of them, absolutely. Uh, Sequoia over there, Brian Schreier, he was great. You know, he said, look, you, you've really tapped into something unique. Um, you know, let's figure out a way we can work together. I, I had to laugh because he How big was the business built, then? I want to say we were probably under a million, a little bit under a million in revenue. Oh, wow. At so the time. It was, it was pretty small. Yeah, super tiny, super tiny. I think we were like 2 million readers on the site or something like that at, okay. at that point in time. And, uh, you know, so we went, you know, we met with Sequoia uh, about three times. Brian actually built our pitch deck, which I thought was pretty funny. I, I couldn't even get it right. You know, they're asking all these questions about how big the market is and your share and how you're going to, you know, defeat CNET. <laughs> I think I had down there, oh, we're going to do 20 million in revenue next year, 1 million this year, 20 next year. Yeah, why not? Um, yeah, why not? Exactly Those right. forecasts are always, <laughs> there's some science involved, but there's there's a fair bit of art. That's exactly right. You know, and I think at that point in time, you know, we had gone, we had graduated from our $50,000 SBA loan to a $100,000 line of credit with Bank of America. It was pretty funny. Um, but ultimately, we decided, you know, not to take cash. Uh uh, this guy by the name of Simon Clausen reached out. He had recently owned a company called PC Tools. He sold it to Symantec for $300 million or something like that. And he goes, look, I heard you're in the Valley. Um, I'm a huge fan. I've been following you for a while. Why don't you let me put some money into the business? And Dan and I were like, look, we don't really need the money. We know what we're doing. We've been profitable. Um, but we could use that expertise and that, and that guidance. Okay. And so, so in 2010, you were, you were profitable already. You only had a million. We, oh yeah. Yeah. We've been profitable. I'd say, uh, since we started the business, maybe we've only been in the red three years, okay. believe it or not. Um, which is pretty insane. Uh, but we, you know, long story short, we wound up taking that, that capital from Simon, you know, we made great contacts down in the Valley and we really understood how to like grow this media business. So it was a great learning experience for us. Okay. And so by the time we understood what a VC was, you know, we didn't necessarily need that that money at that point in time. So looking back, what have been the benefits? We'll start with the benefits of of not going the VC route. I mean, it's hard to say because you didn't do it. Um, but obviously, right. you know, a lot of people did go to the VC route. And, um, you know, I think obviously the blooms come off that rose a little bit. <laughs> um, although these days, I mean, hey, any... Access to any capital is great, but That's explain right. explain what the benefits you think have been up until now. We'll get into the specifics of the crisis, but what have been the benefits of running the old-fashioned way on profits? Yeah, look, I, th I think running the old-fashioned way off of profits uh, creates a grittier leader, right? Um, you get forced to have those tough conversations with the bank, um, with your team. You have to meet covenants. Um, you know, you have to make sure that you survive at all costs. So I think in a lot of ways, uh, it toughens you or can toughen you um, in, a, in a different way than taking that VC capital. Uh, again, it's a different uh, tree limb, if you will, in a learning process, for sure. Give, give me an example that's, that sort of gives, that sort of brings that to life in, in the, you know, you can anonymize it if you wish. Um, but that's something that if you did have the $20 million in VC capital, it, it was a can you could have kicked down the road. 
Yeah, I mean, definitely. If we had that money sitting in the bank, it would have been a can that we could have kicked down the road. That's, but that's okay, so look, I, you know, I sit on a couple boards, and oftentimes you'll see founders that go, "Man, I'm really getting pressure from this vendor. Like, you know, their payment terms are net thirty. I've got to pay them right now. You know, um, can I take a bridge loan to make this happen? Right? And I think if you're a bootstrap business, it's simply pick up the phone. You just say no. Tell you're gonna, just say no. <laughs> exactly right. People are very surprised I mean, that, like, you know, sometimes just say no. Like is you know actually a pretty good strategy. <laughs> well, look, it, it, look, your your business partners, you know, your your vendors, you know, um, they don't want you to go out of business. They want you to get paid. So pick up that phone call and say, look, I can pay you a little bit now, and I can pay you the rest. Yeah, you know, in people a few are weeks. all learning this right now. Everyone is like, do, <laughs> like you know, I mean, like you know, when Cheesecake Factory is just saying, yeah, we're not paying rent. Like, I mean, like there there are conversations that you just have to have with with the people like everyone's exactly doing it. right yeah it's a grittiness look you know i think dan and i back in the day you know we would keep our paychecks in our drawer at home i remember my wife coming in and going can we pay the mortgage like we, we've really got the bank nagging us right now i'm like just hold on honey we've got to make sure payroll goes through just hold on like you know we've never missed payroll every employee's always been taken care of we have amazing benefits but dan and i definitely sacrificed to make that happen because uh, you don't have a choice you don't have that money sitting there in the bank that allows you to do that. So, uh, you know, to your point, it, it creates a different type of leader, a grittier leader. Um, in a lot of ways, I'd say the cons are you're not in a scalable mindset as often as you would want to be, right? You're almost sometimes too cautious. So do give, I invest- me, give, give me an example. I'm going to keep saying, give me, give me an example. You're right. No, I love it. Uh, so video, like, you know, we do video great now. Yeah, but we then were again, really you late. didn't pivot the video. No, we didn't pivot to video. You didn't pivot to Facebook video, so. That's right. It, it, exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> but and no, we were late to the game. But no, video we is, been, you got, you, it's a great example, I think, because you've got to spend a lot up front for uncertain rewards, which are great down, down the line. But you got to take your lumps. With oh, that. that's absolutely right. And it's kind of a ridiculous model, right? It's like, look, we've got to spend $3 million to create these amazing shows and hope we can go out and sell them. Right. I mean, that's insane. Uh, it's not something that I think. Well, it's insane when you're keeping your uh, paycheck in the drawer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. It's like exactly it's right. not even to say it. it's like this isn't even a choice. What are you talking about? Like, yeah. And, and look, you know, we're crushing it in video now, but we were definitely late to the game and we definitely took a more cons- conservative approach. Um, so you're, you're forced to do that, I think. Right. OK, so let's fast forward. I mean, because you got you got over that hump. Um, I know I think we reported hopefully accurately in 2016 you got up to what 30 million in revenue and 8 million in profits 6 million in profits i've seen it both yeah i think it's about right probably yeah okay. about 30% so even you, you grew the business to you got i don't want to say escape velocity but you got to that sustainable level those those are good margins um that's a that's a, a certainly a going concern <laughs> right Right, absolutely. What um, was the key? What was the key to getting over the the paycheck in the in the drawer into, um, you know, nice margins and um, and this is a sustainable growing business. Look, I, I think the the biggest issue with media now is they don't really understand, you know, the value of the content they're creating. Right, understand the economics behind it. Um, readers pay with their eyeballs. Uh, you know, if you are creating news that nobody's reading, don't write about it. It's as simple as that. If, if people are not interested in that, 
move so on. Do you look at it like with the the unit economics of like a piece of content? We do. We definitely, you know, are a data driven business. We know, look, it might take longer for us to uh, make our money on a product review than it would on, you know, a, a buying guide or a how-to guide. We know news has a shelf life of three to four days, right? Tops. So you definitely have to look at the unit economics of, you know, the content that you're creating. And I think a lot of media businesses don't do that simply. And and we've always done it. And I mean, my impression, like a, a lot of your traffic is search, right? I mean, you have a lot of evergreen, evergreen content and that lends itself to, um, which is, is, I don't mean in a bad way. It's a very good way because, you know, people are, people are searching and landing, right. landing on digital trends with intent, like while you're asleep, um, which is a nice thing, um, because, you know, intent based traffic right, right. is, is very valuable, particularly in the categories you play in. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you look at any sort of like product review site, they're always going to have a high search volume. I mean, that's just kind of the nature of the beast. Uh, people are looking, uh, for you to solve problems for them to unlock the products that they're buying. You know, they, you know, for us, we really like to say we own the funnel. Like we might be at that top in that discovery mode where people are, are learning about new products through news and features, but we also hit the middle of the funnel where they're researching, you know, that product, that laptop, that PC, that phone. And then of course we do a really good job of kind of moving them off through affiliate as well. So to your point, we, you know, we're kind so of lucky in that regard. We're yeah, what's the, the site. give me the revenue portfolio. Well, definitely. And every, percentages. Uh, of course you want that, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, we're, you know, we're definitely uh, heavy on advertising. Um, display advertising. You know, mostly. display advertising, branded content, that type of stuff, uh, programmatic. And is that, how much of that is direct sold versus, um, versus programmatic? We're a big direct, uh, we have a big direct sales team for sure. So, you know. I think we're probably about 50% direct. We'd like to get that a little bit lower. Uh, then you've got programmatic that kicks in and then you've got that affiliate, you know, beyond that. So those are kind of the, the big three main revenue streams for us. Uh, newsletters growing for us. We've, of course, talked about subscriptions. How does that work? Um, so we've looked at other buckets of revenue as well. But, but right now, subscriptions are not a big revenue source. No, we don't, you know, we don't really have a subscription model right now. You know, we okay. haven't built out, we're um, not doing it yet. Uh, internally, I think, you know, for us, we're trying to understand the value that we can bring to that reader. Uh, wh what does that look like? So give me the case, because a lot of people are saying, ad models suck. Um, wh what's the case for, for an ad model, for being able to, to, to create a sustainable, and look, I mean, all publishing is different. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, but it, it, explain the, the benefits that you see in having, and I'm sure you want to diversify, but like having a ad model driving the business. Look, I, I think the benefits there, well, it's easier for us. And I think most sites out there, when you have an intent to purchase a product, I mean, you're hitting KPIs pretty easily, right? So I, I think that, you know, works to our advantage, definitely through a time right now um, where every dollar is going to count on that, on that ad spend. Uh, you know, How much of your advertising is "Quote unquote," I'm using air quotes. Sure, this, this <laughs> which you all are, I guess. Other than a couple of us, but uh, how much of its performance are you taking out of performance budgets versus "quote unquote" branding? Yeah. And I know they, they they mix. Yeah, that's a good question, right? I think even when they say it's branding, it's really performance based. Yeah. Right? Somebody's always <laughs> like, "This is a branding in. campaign. This click rate was too low." <laughs> that's exactly right. Exactly right. So you know, I would probably say 
50-50. Maybe that's fair. Maybe somebody in sales is, is cringing right now, but I, I think that's probably about right. Yeah. That's uh, a good place to be these days because that's going to be cut last, I would guess. Yeah, absolutely right. And and look, uh, you know, buying guides, stuff along those natures, you know, advertisers love that, right? I mean, you have somebody with that that purchase intent, that mindset coming to your site. It's, you know, works out great. So I, I think we're in a very fortunate position. Okay. For sure. So l- let's fast forward. So 30 minutes, what, what, what's the, what's the, uh, what's the revenue picture now? What are you going to do this year? Yeah. I think, look, we'll be north of 50 million. Okay. So not too bad. I mean, I'll take it. Right. Uh, you know, we'll be profitable again this year. We've had a great first half. Uh, you know, the momentum's there for sure. Uh, I think, you know, we, we have the best people in the business, quite frankly. So you're not in survivability mode. There's no, there's not triage going on right now. Well, I no, no layoffs, no furloughs. Uh, you know, we're doing awesome there. Our team has done a great job, I think, of managing costs, uh, expectations. So I think that's pretty unique in the space right now. Uh, pretty proud of the team that we have. But no, I mean, look, Dan and I, you know, as business owners, we take compensation cuts, uh, you know, to get through these tough times, of course. Yeah. But uh, so your, no. your effect, I was going to say impact, and I just, I had banned that from the team, so they would get on me. Um <laughs> Well, impact, like companies love to use the word impact just to sort of get around saying words like layoff or furlough or something like that. Yeah. Um, but y- you obviously have been affected by the overall ad market has, you know, there's just a oh, of course. demand, there's demand shortage in certain areas. And, 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 and I think also in the affiliate business, I want to get into, um, but you but you're less exposed. Is that yeah, uh, that that's right. I think when you're in a niche like we are, where you're covering technology, right? What are people depending on right now when you're working from home? It's technology, right? You know, they're buying laptops, they're buying monitors, you know, web cameras, uh, they're paying for Zoom, they're paying for streaming services. So, you know, we're uniquely poised, I think, to get through a, a time like right now, which is pretty amazing. So, yes, the ad dollars have definitely been cut. But, uh, you know, a lot of those have shifted into, you know, performance-based marketing. Um, but what's holding up? What are you seeing? What categories are you seeing hold up? I mean, obviously, work-from-home type stuff. Um, yeah, you know, well, keep in mind, we, we also have another site called The Manual, right? So when you talk yeah. about um, essentials that you need at home that are non-tech, like The Manual's right there. It's doing a great job. So I, I think that's exactly right. It's you know, all the work from home gear that you need. It's all the communication stuff that people need. Um, you know, so anything, anytime we can kind of focus on the, on those areas, um, you know, that's going to get us through this. So that's yeah. what's holding up right now. So what do you, I mean, look, every single crisis is an opportunity. It's a cliche for a reason. Right. Um, out of every single one of these um, downturns, and it certainly looks like this will be a downturn, you know, I wrote a column, you know, the, that, uh, you know, the, the, the league table shift or something. I forget what the quote was exactly now. Um, (laughs) but, uh, which is bad, but, um, you know, the, the, the point of the matter is like, there is an opportunity in these kind of downturns to come out of this stronger and to still share, frankly. Um, where do you, where do you see the opportunities for digital trends, um, when this does end? Cause it will end eventually. That's right. I think, I think more so than ever, people are probably realizing the positive impact that technology can have in their lives, right? And I, and I think for us, you know, not only are we uniquely poised to kind of help people navigate through this, um, but once 
normalcy. I don't want to use that word, right? Once things sort of get back to normal after all of this, uh, I think you're going to find that people, you know, they got that that technology dopamine drip, and they're gonna and they're gonna love it, and they're gonna rely on it, continue to rely on it more than they did prior. And so I think yeah. for us, you know, we're uniquely, you know, poised to be right there for them, continue that journey with them uh, of making their lives better. So, so that's macro from the sort of that's societal. macro. Yeah. But what, but what are you seeing competitively? I mean, because you must have competitors who are dealing with other particular challenges that you you don't feel you necessarily. I mean, you are obviously everyone is affected by this, but that you can steal share. How are you going to steal share? Yeah. Look, I think when Take you're share. right, it's funny because when you look at the tech media landscape, everybody gets lumped in together, right? Yeah. And, you know, people you doing that, tech news and some people are really doing venture capitalist news, not really tech news. Exactly but. right. So um, I think you have to ask yourself, are we a technology news site that dabbles in products or are we a product review site that has a tech news arm? And I think when you look at us, we're definitely a product and services site. Right. So that gets us through on the micro level. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, tech news for tech news sake. You know, it's it's one dimensional. Um you know, you're not generating revenue five different ways like you should be probably if you're. It's also overcovered. It's very saturated. Super saturated, I, right? And right. and I think my problem with technology news is that it's it's a horizontal, not a vertical. That's um, right. And I, 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 you know, when CNET was founded, it was a totally different era, and like all of these technology news sites, um, what industry, what corner of the world is technology not part of the news and so (laughs) yeah no i don't know no that's a good point i mean look if you're going to be a tech news site you should be a subsection of a bigger company a new york times or cnn right you cannot last and survive on your own as purely a tech news site the demand's not there you can get it anywhere right um so you're absolutely right i think for us you know news is important but it's not our core, our core really is around, uh, you know, enthusiasts. And I'd say that that mainstream user that really does care about products and services. Right. Yeah. And, and we're okay living there. That's where we want to be. Um, it, it helps us, you know, build a big moat and it allows us to monetize that user, you know, four or five different ways as opposed to one or two. So do you find your, I mean, are you, are you focusing more on your core now? than you were before, that's just a continuation. Yeah, it's a continuation. Absolutely. Uh, so what are you accelerating? Like, cause I mean, I think one of the great, one of the things um, that, you know, we often talk about at least internally at Digiday and then in our, in our coverage is the acceleration that the, that this um, is doing. It's going to accelerate things on the societal level, no doubt, whether that's, you know, remote work or, or whatnot. That's but right. It's going to accelerate trends within the media industry. What do you think, you know, within digital trends, what are you accelerating? You know, it is going broader in scope around technology, right? Um, it goes beyond, I think, the three devices that most people, when they think about tech, you know, whether that's your laptop and your cell phone or your TV, it goes broader. I mean, when you look at categories now, like the outdoor space, look at all the wearables that are out there that, that are in that space, in that category. Sure. Um I just saw some AR goggles for swimming. I'm like, my God, I might, (laughs) I might go back to swimming because I mean, I, I run a lot and like, you know, I, some people think that's boring, but swimming to me is truly boring, but I'm like, 
okay, finally, that's, yeah. you know, if I can, if I can watch Netflix while chasing the line, although I don't want to be in a pool these days, so I don't know. Maybe. Well, I, I'm laughing about that too, because <laughs> it, it's, you know, companies try to put tech into anything they can, right? Um, they have, what is it, the recon ski goggles, and it, it tells you how fast you're going down the hill, tells you, you know, uh, you know, the slope that you're on, all that type of stuff. And you have to ask yourself, like, is that actually helpful and valuable? Or is it a nuisance? Is it going to, are you going to hit a tree because you're paying more attention to the information that's right there, you know, in your goggles. But I think, you know, for us, the benefit is that technology is definitely going broader, wider, right? E-bikes, autos, um, you know, like I said, the outdoor space, cooking, I mean, you name it. Uh, well, I can't wait until we can have a true outdoor space. But um, I, then again, people can go outside their homes. I mean, I think that there is, you know, look, we're going to be let out of this at some point. But I think, you know, there's going to be another wave probably. And this getting trapped at home is is unfortunately probably going to last a lot longer. And I think people will likely turn to technology more. Yeah. I mean, look, you have... Uh, what new apps popping up? What is it? Um, Jackbox. You heard of that? No. That's like a, a popular uh, group game that you can do and, and you FaceTime everybody, but you're logging in to the Jackbox website and you're playing board games and stuff like that. Uh, you have House Party, of course, for Netflix, where you can watch Netflix with your friends, yeah. communicate and all that type of stuff. So you have amazing new uh, you know, products that are popping up because of the, you know, the constraint that everybody's under right now. So Okay, so... Um- on the affiliate side, are you getting whacked? I mean, because like I heard Amazon in the consumer electronics had scaled back from like 15% to like 3%. Yeah, I think, look, I think a lot of brands are getting affected by that. Uh, diverse, and it's not coming back to 15%. And it's, it's not no going to come back to 15%. <laughs> no way. Yeah, exactly right. So look, you know, diversify as much as possible, right? So are you going uh, what? Direct, what does that look like? Direct to, to, to retailers? Well, you know, we're not doing that, quite frankly, yet. But, you know, we do have partnerships with, you know, Wayfair and Walmart and Best Buy, like lower your dependency on any one of those, right? Um, you, you don't want to be solely dependent on an Amazon. They're going to put you out of business, you know, no different than, you know, in the video space being dependent, to your point, on Facebook or anybody else, right? Diversify right. as much as you can. At least Jeff Bezos, like, has, like, always been out front of wanting to put people's out of, out of business with this, like, you know, your margin is my opportunity. So, I mean, nobody can say that he's not like literally on that the That was bad time right this. there as I'm drinking my coffee. <laughs> that was pretty funny. No, you're absolutely right. He doesn't shy away from it, right? It's kind of a, uh, you know. You're, you're yeah, all the right. other Silicon Valley people are like, we want to change the world. We want to connect people and stuff like this. And Bezos is like, no, your margin is my opportunity. I'm, That's uh, right. I'm, and I'm, I'm going to take And you don't hear a lot about that. Like Amazon right now, right? I mean, their stock is through the roof. Like they're, they're crushing it right now. So, you know, why, why pay commissions to anybody when you don't need to, right? <laughs> okay, so how about subscriptions? I mean, I, I think subscriptions make a ton of sense. I mean, I always go to like our team and I'm like, we got to stop treating publishers as like an entity. There are so many different businesses, um, so many different types. There's arbitrage businesses, there's news right. publishers, there's entertainment publishers, there's all kinds of businesses. But subscriptions, you know, are... are I think the sort of least bad option for a lot of news publishers, frankly. Um, but in your That's category, right. where do you, what role do you see it, see them playing, if any? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. You know, I think for us, what we've been asking is, what can we create that's unique enough for somebody to want to pay for that content that they can't get somewhere else, right? Um, tech news for tech news sake isn't going to work. Uh, you can get tech news anywhere. Um, you know, what is that unique value proposition that we can offer? 
And so for us, you know, we're, we're looking at that right now. Uh, I don't think we're ready to launch that sub, you know, subscription product probably, you know, within the next 12, 18 months for sure. Um, you know, is that an ad free product? Is our, you know, content unique enough? Uh, I suspect it's always, you know, of course, a, a game of numbers, right? You know, we're what 45 million uniques on digital trends right now. Uh, can we get 5% to pay for a subscription right now? Um, and when you look at what Conde Nast is doing with Wired, you know, it's, it, Felt like it took them a while to kind of get the model down and figure it out, right? Business insiders doing it. So I think for us, we're doing a lot of research in that space. Uh, don't be surprised to see that product come out here pretty soon. Okay, but that, is that something you're accelerating or is that something that it's just, you know? No, you definitely have to accelerate it. Look, I would say, okay. you, you know, you want to get to a point where you're five revenue streams or more, right? In this day and age, you know. If you're in digital publishing, you want to sleep well at night. I don't think anybody is, right? It's like every six months, something oh, new is happening, well, right? Not, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> think about yes. that. Remember when newsletters weren't cool and now they're cool again, right? Um, affiliate was a dirty word, what, 10 years ago, maybe even more recent, and now everybody has to do it. So uh, look, if, if you're not thinking about five ways you can monetize that, that user, get your ARPU up you're done for Like, you're not going to make it. So it, it's as simple as that. You have to be accelerating every idea. Fail quickly. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm going to leave it there. Um, Ian, thank you. I'm so glad we, uh, we finally got to do this. It's great. Likewise. Thanks. And thank you all for joining. We will be back next week with a new episode.